We are the Old Republic Podcast. Spoiler alert for everything Star Wars under the Twin Suns. The question is what choice? Rebellions are built on hope. Make ten men feel like a hundred. I'm one with the force, the force is with me. All right, everyone, welcome back to the Old Republic Podcast. Today, we're going to be checking in on the TV series uh, that's, uh, I, I don't know, sweeping the world. I don't know. I'm having a lot of fun with it uh, so far this season. But Mandalorian is back. It's on our TV screens. Uh, we've had it for four weeks now, uh, coinciding with Bad Batch. And I have to say, that's it's getting a little overwhelming having the two shows uh, to keep up with at once. But the good thing is, is I have someone here to help me make heads or tails of this season of Mandalorian. If you've been following the podcast at all, uh, you you probably already know this guy, uh, but Marcus, Marcus Mosley is back, uh, back in action, helping me co-host this Mandalorian episode today. I'm back, baby. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's right. Back in action. So, uh, Marcus, uh, anyone who is new, has been living under a rock, has been, you know, living down in the mines of Mandalore uh, with that creepy spider guy, uh, doesn't know who you are. Who are you, Marcus? Uh, tell everyone what they need to know. Well, ladies and gentlemen, my name is Marcus Mosley. As you've heard before, I have been many, been on this podcast many, 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 many times, and I keep enjoying it every single time I show up. And I've been busy. I am the voice and host of Hollow Chronicles of a Jedi, basically following the story of Joe Lee Bindo whenever he was a Padawan at the time, before we get to Knights of the Republic. Um, and I'm the voice of Trask Olgo in Unreal Cinema's KOTOR adaptation. Don't ask me when we're going to have the <laughs> show released. We're, we're working that out, guys. If you follow him on Discord, if you follow uh, Unreal Scott, if you follow him, uh, you will find out the updates and stuff like that. So that's basically all I've got going on right now, just in the middle of Hollow Chronicles Season 3, which is about, I want to say, 80% finished. Oh, excellent, excellent. Yeah, we're definitely mm -hmm. uh, excited about that. Uh, you know, we had the first two seasons, and I'm guessing we'll have you back on uh, closer to time for that uh, premiere, so we can talk a little bit about Season 3, what to expect, uh, the highs and lows, but yeah, very excited about that. Uh, Marcus, don't sell yourself short. You also do some movie and TV reviews, uh, so you're perfect <laughs> for, for talking about stuff like The Mandalorian, but uh, we made it through Oscar season. It was, it was a busy, hectic time, and now now it's, like, overwhelming because the theaters are back open, all of the releases are coming out. You're at the theater, like, uh, two, three times a week. Well, yeah. Well, here's the thing. Luckily, there are a lot of movies I got to see ahead of time before their actual release date. So it's kind of like, uh, whew, because my AMC A-list would be packed. <laughs> well, well, uh, well, how lucky, how lucky for you, uh, those of us who have to just uh, trudge our way out on uh, opening night for sure. But but yeah, so make sure, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, uh, follow Marcus Mosley if you need updated on any of that stuff, uh, because it's all great stuff. But today we're talking about some other great stuff is The Mandalorian. Uh, season three is back. It's on the TVs. We're about halfway through uh, the eight episode uh, season of season three. So uh, before we get into season three, though, I thought, Marcus, maybe we could just go back and take a look, um, you know, kind of at Mandalorian in season one season two nothing crazy nothing too deep uh on you know end of those seasons but just kind of get you know your general thoughts on what you thought about mandalorian you know excited about the series going into it when it first came out it was our first live action star wars tv uh that we got so it kind of set the tone for you know what we could expect but um i don't know mandalorian season one any kind of any kind of thoughts it seemed like we were laying the groundwork for 
uh, who Mandalorian, uh, Din Djarin was, uh, who this little Baby Yoda character was, but what were just kind of your general takeaways from Mandalorian Season 1? Well, not to, to be a stickler for Star Wars being the first, uh, the Mandalorian being the first live-action series, uh, you almost forgot the unbelievably terrible, but fun thing to watch maybe once every 10 years maybe uh the christmas special <laughs> uh, yeah i mean you had the christmas special and you had which is uh, canon had, now honestly which is canon uh you had the ewok adventure uh, films uh so those, those mm-hmm. were on tv too but but those were tv movies marcus this is a weekly yeah. star wars uh live action tv show coming at you so but technicality uh, yeah so so don't don't uh, get into semantics with me but uh so so we've got we've got the show we've got Tanjaran he looks mm-hmm. cool Mandalorians are cool uh, the premise of the show seems pretty cool uh, meeting a little tiny uh, you know the child Baby Yoda that was pretty cool what a way to start off that uh, first season of Mandalorian but you know uh, what like I said what were kind of your thoughts right we didn't know anything about what this was or what it was going to be we just knew that we had to get a Disney Plus subscription and we were going along for the ride. It's like. Well, the thing is, with Disney Plus at that time, whenever it was being announced, everybody, I think the number one selling point was like, everything Disney, everything Marvel in one location, and soon to come, Star Wars, the first live-action TV series for exclusively on Disney Plus. It's like, okay, what are y'all going to sell us? Um, And then we see The Mandalorian, where we hear um, rumblings of like a Western-style uh, stripped down, set in the after events of Return of the Jedi following a Mandalorian. And I was like, okay, interesting. This is cool. It's like, yes. Everybody thought it was going to be Boba Fett at first. And we're like, oh, we're going to see him actually, you know, come back and everything. Funny enough, we did in, you know, season two. <laughs> Spoiler but, warning. Oh, come on. It's been out for like two years. <laughs> like, come on, people. <laughs> um, but that really... What I really loved whenever they first showed the first teaser, it was that, yes, and you find out that Dave Filoni's behind it and John Favreau was writing it. I'm like, oh, these are two people I really do love. The man that started off the MCU and the one um, apprentice of George Lucas that's become a knight of Star Wars, if you will. I consider him like, a, or actually a master, really. George is still the grandmaster, and then Dave is the master of Star Wars. So those two together... It was brilliant. So I was like, okay, this is this is gonna be cool. All right. And then you see the first images and the first teaser that they released at that cel- Star Wars celebration, of course. Everybody leaked it online. I, I couldn't wait. I was like, okay, let me let me I wanna see. I wanna see. Give me something, give me something. And I only think I, I think it was like a thirty second teaser or something like that. Mm-hmm. It wasn't long. No. And seeing him seeing what who we know as Din Djarin by the end of the first season finding out his first name since he was just referenced as Mando or the Mandalorian it was like oh we're getting some some Clint Eastwood vibes here it's really some old school like walking in that swagger and you know the quick draw and just the opening scene of the first episode where you know he walks into the bar and just takes out all the guys that were like challenging him at the bar mm-hmm. like that alone was just like Oh, this is different. Oh, we can get a little violent. It's like, okay, I like it. And it just took off. So that was my first impression. I was like, I am sold. I was already sold on Disney Plus, but 
you know, give me something new with Star Wars since, you know, we're all like starving after yeah, the sequel trilogy um, <laughs> and its problems. <laughs> yeah. But, well, and in yeah. fairness, you know, because the Mandalorian, I think, premiered like, um, you know, like the middle of November ish. Mm-hmm. So it was right. Be- so it was right before episode nine. So it was kind of, you know, uh, Star Wars was at this, you know, kind of higher hype Decline. level everyone <laughs> come on now come on now but everyone everyone was <laughs> everyone was at, we, at least interested yeah, we you were, know you know after the after yeah. the fact you know whatever your opinions are everyone was you know at that time very interested to see what episode nine was going to be what story it was going to be so then to also bring in uh this tv show at that time was was really pretty incredible and like you said marcus it had kind of a little bit of a darker grittier tone um you know it really you know kind of you know, opened up this whole path for what we could get, uh, Star Wars, you know, television, uh, going forward. So yeah, I thought that that was great. And then, you know, it had, you know, the, the volume. So it's pushing, you know, technologically, new technology, you know, like establishing in. new canon, new planets, new visuals that we haven't seen before. Like, especially the new creature that we saw bust out of the ice in the, the first episode, like, Oh, Oh, okay. We're, we're doing it. We are expanding. That is what Star Wars is. We have a full-on universe. It doesn't have to be the Skywalker saga. That was a number. That was another thing that really sold me. It's just like we can get out of this. We can go to a different place. Yeah, sure. We come back to you know parts of Tatooine later on, but um, it was the expansiveness and globe like planet trotting and just different places. That's that's what I think is was missing for a long time with, you know, when we got introduced to the sequel trilogies and stuff like that. It's like, sure, we got new planets. We got, you know, Canto Bite and stuff like that and uh, Crate. But it didn't feel, I don't, it just didn't feel f- super fresh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we finally got to see the rich side of peop- the society, uh, like, you know, going off of where Mando dropped before we got to episode nine. We got to see the rich side and, you know, the intric- intri- I can't say that word. The the <laughs> intricacies. Thank you. Of, you know, dealings and stuff like that with war, which there are brilliant stuffs in, uh, in The Last Jedi, which I'm not going to, you know, bash the movie. But basically, long story short. The expansion that Mandalorian introduced and going into Mandalorian lore and like into bounty hunting lore and everything like that, seeing the crime element, that is something that has never been done in Star Wars in Mm -hmm. live action or, well, we've seen it in animation through the Clone Wars, but not so much in live action. And that was something that was just like this, this could be a new avenue that can be very very interesting and i'm so glad we are we're still going that way yeah absolutely and one of the, one of the things that i liked about uh the first season as you mentioned marcus it kind of you know got away from the skywalker saga a little bit it introduced us to new, new characters and locations um it really mm-hmm. seemed like it was going to be leaning into you know kind of the mandalorian you know backstory and culture with like the armor and uh baz Vizla and you know kind of their kind of you know covenant there um we we're introduced to other you know bounty hunter friends that uh Din Djarin had made along the way um and something like the prisoner and we had Grand Moff Tarkin so you had kind of this other um interesting twist of you know the aftermath of the empire who you know all these people are still out there running around what are they getting up to so you know just oh you mean Moff of, Gideon not Tarkin or, he, or yeah sorry it. uh yeah uh, <laughs> Grand Moff Gideon um you know so you had kind of these interesting uh characters and interesting stories and uh were separate and you know you didn't really know uh 
what kind of direction that was going to take. Uh, that was kind of season. That was kind of season one. Um, kind of kind of backpedaled on that a little bit for uh, for season two. Um, and we can talk about that in a minute. But um, mm-hmm. but yeah, just just the characters and and the world building and all that stuff. Season one, it was blowing up. Uh, you had little uh, baby Yoda was everywhere. That was like the only merchandise that was coming out for uh, the Mandalorian. For the it, name of the child, and then everybody nobody knew what to call him. So we all called him Baby Yoda because we're like, <gasps> and I did the same thing when we that. Oh boy, it's like we're we're jumping to the end of season one already. But there there are some things like seeing an IG droid actually in action in the first episode, mm-hmm, or, mm-hmm. like just taking people out. Like you've always dreamed. Uh, if you remember Shadows of the Empire, like the Boba Fett um, spinoff uh, comic that came with his action figure. Because mm. I, I bought one as a kid, and he had a... Back whenever the Star Wars action figures had, like, comic book backings. Mm. And then you can actually read it. And it, it wasn't too thick of a comic. It was, like, I don't know, six or seven pages. But it was still like, oh, this is so cool. Yeah, and they... seeing the IG droid, like, attack Boba Fett, I'm like, I wonder what this would look like in live action. And I think we fought one in Shadows of the Empire, the game, at some point. But... um. Seeing it actually in action and taking out so many people as you you would think it would, you find out why they're so dangerous. And that scene alone was amazing. So, and the introduction of the child, or Baby Yoda, or now we know him as Grogu, that blew the doors off of whatever's possible. It's like, this this target, the target is supposed to be 50 years old. It's like, it's a child. <laughs> so, again, it's... Ex- Building out the lore even further, you know, with uh, Yoda's species and then, you know, seeing different worlds, seeing, oh, and with the Empire itself being destroyed and seeing where everybody is. Like, you have the the outliers, like what Tarkin said in uh, A New Hope. It's like the regional governors are now in control of the the sectors. It's like, okay, well, the Empire's broken down. What does this look like? When you have the empires completely destroyed and now you have like the leftovers trying to survive or, you know, hang on to their territories while the new republic is taking them out slowly. Mm-hmm. That was cool. Yeah, absolutely. It was very cool. And it was um, it was really, like you said, just neat to see kind of that storytelling Um you know, kind of just, just the joy uh, it felt um, in Favreau and Filoni, just you know, telling these stories and uh, yeah, doing things like bringing this uh, IG Eleven to life. You know, which was something that would had only you know existed in our brains and imaginations. Um, you know, ever since uh, the Empire Strikes Back. So um, yeah, mm-hmm. so that that stuff was was really really great. And then uh, you know the the first season ends. You know, uh, Baby Yoda does some force healing. Ray does some force healing. Uh, and then we get a, a little bit of a break and go into Mandalorian. Uh, season two. So at this point, you know, Marcus, kind of, kind of the hype level for for this thing is, is through the roof. The first season of Mandalorian was pretty much universally loved by Star Wars fans, which is not something uh, that happens uh, very often. So everyone Insta- was boy, oh was, boy, was excited to uh, to get back to it. But uh, I don't know. Season season two was was much different, kind of in in the structure and the tone and the stories that they were telling. Well, well, here's the thing. Before we jump into season two, what was what was your favorite moment in season one? Like, or top three moments in season one? Actually, I usually ask what's the favorite, but it's really hard to say. It's like your number one. So, what's mm. like your top three favorite moments oh, in season man. one? My my top three favorite moments. Um, I, I there's that you can think of. It doesn't have to be in order. 
there's a, there's a bunch. I don't know if I would say that this is my favorite moment, but I think kind of that most impactful moment was kind of that that carry over the last two episodes, uh, uh, chapter seven and eight, where uh, Quill is riding back to uh, get oh. uh, little baby Grogu. Oh. That's that's the worst, and that like just oh. uh, destroyed you emotionally. Mm-hmm. I, I I remember that standing out uh, very clearly. Um, I remember how amazing it was. Uh, this probably one of everyone's favorite is when that dark saber blade just slices through the mm-hmm. side of, of the uh, the tie fighter there. Um, you know, so stuff like that. Um, you know, and and for me it was just you know kind of getting this lore of the Mandalorian. So this you know the stuff with the armor. Um, you know, building out that Beskar uh, armor suit for uh, Dinjar, and I those were kind of my big three uh, takeaways. Of course, you have you know. Uh, like I said, Baby Yoda and those gigantic eyeballs, you know, taking over the the <laughs> whole world on on everything that it could possibly be uh, be slapped on. But but those are three kind of standouts for me. Uh, what about you, Marcus? What were some of your highlights here from season one? I'm gonna cheat and just say all of episode one. Okay, fair, fair, <laughs> just fair. Just of uh, season one, and then season two, or I'm sorry, that's one. Uh, number two, um, let's see. Uh, yeah, the first time we see, or is that season one? No, that's season two. Man, no, that's season. Is that season two where he uses the force? Well, Grogu? so yeah, that's that's another thing. Um, I, yeah, there's so much good stuff in season one. You have you have the Jawas there, and then uh, with the Mudhorn, yeah. how they get how they get the uh, Mudhorn signets where um, that is little, little Grogu's using yeah. using the force to to kind of hold him uh, up in the air there to you know to protect Din. Um, you know that that stuff all happens in season one. You know he's scaling the sand crawler in season one. Man, so much stuff. I need to oh, go back yeah. and rewatch season one immediately. Is what I need. To I do. know. So there's that, and then number three. It's like this is all the top of my head. I could I can go with four, uh, but still, <laughs> the number the that the moment it, like you already said it. Whenever the dark saber cuts to the tie fighter, I was like, wait a minute. I know that. No, how the. How the hell did he get that? Well, everybody else on Twitter is like, "What is this? What? what what's that? that? That's a that's a black lightsaber." It's like y'all don't know, y'all don't know. It's like, it, does that mean Bo-Katan's dead? Like, are you, what? What? How did he get that? And cut to black. And you're like, oh, come on. That's right. Yeah, that's one of the mysteries that's still out there. Uh, not to mm-hmm. not to get in ahead of to what we've seen so far in season three, but uh, we still don't know how he got that. So. Hmm. Oh, God, it's like this is how you tie everything into canon. Oh, we don't really have source material. Look at that, just that alone. <laughs> That's like, right. Ugh. Yeah, it it doesn't take much to get the uh, to get the minds rolling for sure. But yeah, I mean, there was there was so much great great stuff. I mean, you had you know episodes that were just uh, super super fun. Like the was it the uh, the prisoner where they're doing that that prison break and you're mm-hmm. just seeing. Um, you know, a Mandalorian in action uh, there. Uh, it was really great. And yeah, and then, you know, kind of the, that final uh, two piece there, like I said, with uh, Quill, uh, you know, riding back to get it and IG 11 taking Most over as the, as the nurse droid. Of the show. Oh. It's like, I think we all, everyone was just like hanging on to the edge of their seats, just like, come on, man, come on, man, you can make it, you can make it, you're almost there. And well, <laughs> <laughs> that's that's right yeah that was that was probably the most emotional um i felt at a at a star war uh f- for a long time until uh until very recently and we'll get to that uh here when we get mm-hmm. to uh, uh season three but you know we we can't get ahead too much uh, marcus because we go then to mandalorian season two um 
you know, we're still exploring some lore. We're still going on adventures. Uh, but this season really kind of served uh, as an introduction to people who you might not have known if you hadn't been reading the books and watching the uh, uh, you know, the cartoon series and things like that. So we meet Cobb Vanth. Mm-hmm. We meet Bo-Katan. We meet Ahsoka. We uh, meet uh, Fennec Shan and Boba Fett again. Um, we meet uh, Luke Skywalker at the end. Spoiler. Um, but yeah, this. <laughs> the, so seriously, what, people, if you're listening to this episode <laughs> and y'all have not watched the Mandalorian season one and two, like, what are you doing? Wait, what are you be, doing? You'll be as confused as when you watched the uh, first episode of season three and wondered how uh, Grogu got back with uh, Mandalorian. But I digress. I digress. For real. Uh, <laughs> so, so season season two, season one, built up all of like this lore and started tying things in very gently. Um, but then Favreau and Filoni were like, mm, gentle, gentle's not for us. Get the sledgehammer, let's go, uh, bring it on. But the first episode is incredible. You have the uh, the Tusken Raiders there. Um, he's you know doing the sign language, communicating with them. That episode is fantastic. Uh, brings Kotor into canon, basically, with that mm-hmm. uh, crate dragon pearl. Uh, pretty much 99% um, anyways. But Mandalorian... What are you talking about 99%? It's 100%. It's, it's, it's canon. <laughs> 199%. That's what I meant to say. Um, <laughs> there it is. Yeah, um, so season two of the Mandalorian, Marcus. We had we had season one. It was amazing, uh, and then season two, when we all are you know on board with it being amazing, and most of the stuff that we got was was pretty good. But it was a little different, you have to say. It it was different. It, it was a tonal shift. It's it's kind of like this where what you would as we both watch a lot of television and audience if they watch a lot of television like everything streaming nowadays it's, instead of movies, more t- television shows are watched and made. The thing is, season the first season of every show is about establishing the footing. It's like, get your tone right, get your characters in line, have your MacGuffin, and then kick it off and, and open the doors in the next season. That's what they did in season one. Blew the doors off by the end of it with mystery, intrigue, and just new opportunities of storytelling. Season two, you're on an adventure throughout the entire time. Now... I loved that 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 moment alone is another like top three moments of season two is the communication with the Tuscan Raiders. I was like, <gasps> we, instead of just, you know, making the sound, we actually have sign which and uh, the person behind the mask is actually an Oscar winner. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Troy Kotzer, I forget, yeah. I forget, there you go. So that was amazing. And one, showing one is Oscar that, for uh, Coda. Go watch that. It's really good. Mm hmm. Um, show showed the levels of, like I said, expanding, showing different ways of communication. And for the deaf community, that is a win of all wins. It's just like, oh, I would love to see another. I would love to see a deaf Jedi. Like, come on, guys. That, that would be amazing. Um, but just, just the traversal in expanding on, uh, now, number one thing a lot of people have complaints about is in Star Wars, it's like, is every planet either full of green or is it a desert planet? <laughs> true, true. It's like, true. It, it, I mean, terraforming, it's a big galaxy. Not everything's going to be, you know, Coruscant or like, when are we ever going to see, you know, uh, Nar Shaddaa? I would love to see that in live action at some point mm-hmm. um, or Tanab. But the thing is, is that we get to expand on Tatooine. It's like, it's just not Mos Eisley or, you know, just the small spaceport or the moisture farms and stuff like that. There is more life to it. 
And we got to see that when we meet Cobb Vanth, which you couldn't have picked going even deeper into the Western style. You couldn't have picked a better actor than Timothy Oliphant, just walking in with all that swagger. And now he's a full on gray Fox. It's just all, all the white in his hair. I was like, Oh, my, my justified loving heart just like, just exploded. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Uh, He was coming full circle. Um, he had that sweet, like red scarf kind of thing and, uh, Boba mm -hmm. Fett's helmets and, uh, yeah, chapter nine, the marshal was was amazing. Um, like you said, for you know the you know the deaf community and you know using sign language, but it was our first time you know not vilifying uh, the sand people uh, to an mm-hmm. extent. So that was that was interesting, and yeah, really did a lot for the lore building of Star Wars as a whole. You know, in in addition to you know this this Mando universe, but you know Star Wars as a whole to um, you know personify them different and then you have fun little adventures we meet frog lady uh that's good some good teaching oh my moments. God. uh some creepy spiders if you weren't into spiders then you were not into uh episode 10 uh the passenger uh for sure uh but you know those episodes look so great <sighs> the technology was was getting better um yeah you know with with that stuff the way that the show looked and felt uh was was really doing pretty good and then of course you meet if you're a mandalorian who are you going to meet bo katan uh that's a good time so there you go and chi is going to be real important i think to the mandalorian story going forward uh as we you know are into our current season absolutely the see whenever we meet like going on the spider episode by the way a lot of people we're we're spoiled with like the Netflix model of just like every episode all at once. And then a lot more shows like I think Amazon Prime does the three episodes at a time, mm-hmm. but some some uh, streaming other services just do one at a time. But we have always been spoiled by Netflix's model, which I think they should keep it. A lot of people are like, oh, they should change it to just like two or three weeks. Like, no, keep it. It's theirs. They're, they started it. So with this. We were just like, okay, cool. It's a more uh, adventure kind of like we're going to fly around space and then get caught by the New Republic X-Wings, which was Dave Filoni one of the pilots? And yes, he was. He was, yeah. Um, And it's just like, oh, cameo and another cameo. It's, (laughs) oh, okay. The X-Wings are actually around. Uh, Oh, all right. All right. This is cool, which... Almost forgot to mention in season one that Prison Break episode alone was was amazing with uh, the introduction of uh, what's his face the comedian I just forgot his name um, oh uh, Bill, Bill Burr, Burr. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and just that episode alone just amazing and and showing more that in season two that okay the New Republic is actually taking over the space area just like okay it's not lawless it's not the Wild West per se. They okay. They actually do patrol known space in in the core worlds and stuff like that. And that was a great like. It's like we need to see your license and registration. It's like, all right, let me get it for you. <laughs> um, but a lot of people felt that episode was filler. I was like, no, it's not. None of the beauty about the show is that there are no filler episodes. Honestly, it's they're short. And then sometimes they range from like, you know, 30 minutes to about 48 minutes. I think the longest episode is in season three, honestly. Mm-hmm. But which that's one of my major gripes with the show. It's like, I want an hour. Give me a, <laughs> an hour or at least 
45 minutes each episode. Just come on, guys. You, you can do this. I get yeah. it. You want to save a lot, but come on. You have eight episodes, 45 <laughs> minutes long. Is that so much to ask? <laughs> Um, yeah. yeah, I mean that—that's fair. That is—that is one of the criticisms. Every every time the episode's about ready to drop, and I think they put like the runtime up on IMDb or whatever. I don't even um, look. And, I don't even and, look. And, and I just people, press play. And people start <laughs> complaining about about the runtime for it. Now I'm, I mean, of course, I would like all of these episodes to be, you know, like ten thousand minutes long, right? Just uh, beam, <laughs> beam it into my eyeballs, you know, for days at a time. But, um, but I'm always of the opinion that. You know, if that's the amount of time they needed to tell this particular story that they're trying to tell, that's fine. I would rather things be shorter rather than longer, just for the sake of being longer. Um, so you have to you have to defer to the people that are actually doing it and telling the story. I think in those cases, at least for me, that's how true, I kind of see see the the runtimes there. But it is a little bit hard when you're staring down eight episodes and and one comes out and you know it's thirty two minutes and you're like really thirty two minutes come there was on a, there wasn't like ten more minutes you could have you could have squeezed out of this thing come on like it, it, like it's if you look at like the beginning the tail end is like oh okay so the last like two minutes is the credits so the episode was only like thirty minutes long like come on <laughs> the last like come seven on. seven minutes is the credits um. <laughs> <laughs> you only get like a twenty five minute episode of him just walking around like come on guys y'all have the budget just do a 45 minute episode season like just do it you've earned it just by the first season alone you've earned it just do it we're here for it that's right yeah absolutely (laughs) absolutely um and like you said there you know some of some of the stuff you know uh, people kind of wrote off as filler, but I'm I'm with you, Marcus. I don't think any of it is filler because it's it's really kind of important for your character development, which people seem to kind of forget when they're watching a TV show. Character or, development, um, you know, world th- building, and new creatures. Things like things like that, right? Like you don't have to. It doesn't even have to be, um, you know, for example, a, a big major character or plot point. You know, it could just be something that your character is learning um, in that episode that that comes back to be important later, um, which really makes for a more you know kind of fleshed out. Um, you know, a fuller story, right? You could you could tell the story maybe without that, but it's it's not as rich um, if you don't. So um, yeah, so I'm I'm in agreement. No no filler here. And then you've got uh, you know some some important stuff. Like I said, you're you know starting to teach uh, Grogu some things. Bo Katan is coming in, uh, who's going to be ultimately uh, very important for the story um, going forward. And uh, you know we're. We're learning. We didn't a little get bit just more. one new Mandalorian. We got three. We got three. <laughs> uh, the other two are off somewhere doing something. Uh, but Bo-Katan mm-hmm. is still here, uh, hanging around for sure. So um, yeah, stuff like that. that that's really great. Uh, we're at a new kind of water planet on that one. Um, it looks awesome. Mon Calamari, uh, I believe, or Mon Cal, or um, is, is it called that? The uh, the race is called Mon Calamari, but it, I think it's called Mon Cal. Yeah. I think. I'm, don't quote me on that, people. <laughs> yeah, I, I can't. I can't remember for sure what they. Uh, what the uh, name of that actual uh, planet was that they were on, but mm-hmm. but yeah, you, you know stuff like that is is really neat. And then you know it gets into something like the siege, which is very much just kind of the swashbuckling adventure uh, kind of a thing, but really important for the development of Dinjar and who he is, and you know really important as we get here into our third season. So it's all kind of these little nuggets that we're getting uh, throughout season two, um, and then obviously we get we get Ahsoka um, and you know boba fett and and luke skywalker so big uh our, our big three i think our big star wars three is that the big three Marcus? which that was i don't, I don't oh, know oh, but. oh 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 when ahsoka showed up the opening scene oh okay so 
just that episode alone, when the episode started, I was like, all right, cool. You know, Smokey for, so oh, there's a white lightsaber. We're, we're doing it. We're doing it. We're going right into it. Not, not even a warm up. We're just going. We're just going. Going into and, it. Un, and, and then we see her just in the classic pose, just <sighs> with the gritting her teeth, just like ready to take out everybody. I'm like, <gasps> she looks so good. And her, her sabers actually sound exactly like it. And you hear her theme when she steps out and faces the lady that's over the town and the great Michael Bean being a great guest star. Mm-hmm. And uh, there, there's so much awesomeness that happens when there, when she shows up and not to forget to mention one of the other most badass uh, female characters that the show introduced way back in season one, Cara Dune. Now, I love Gina, Gina Carano, and I hope we bring her back. It's like, I, I'm glad they didn't, like, kill her off. But she was a great addition. Gina Carano's not really known for her acting. It's like, yes, we know her for, you know, her fighting style, her fighting prowess, actually. But this showed that she can actually pretty be a pretty good actress. And... She was a great, great character, and I want to see more of her. And we got to see her being even more badass in season two, but back to Ahsoka. Just that opening scene of just her, you know, cutting down these dudes left and right, just full-on, almost uh, Starkiller style, you know, using the shadows and then lighting up whenever she takes them out in the in the darkness, in the fog. It was amazing. So, yeah, that... And the introduction of Grand Admiral Thrawn, or reintroduction, better yet, or mention, better yet, of him coming back. And I later on, that's where I have ideas of where that's going to go. But, <laughs> okay. And the sen- th- another thing that Jon Favreau and Dave Filoni both agreed on is that we're going to make another, we're going to make a new Star Wars show, but we're not going to make it trying to be like oh we're going to be influenced by what George did it's like no we're going to be influenced by what influenced George so you have the the samurai films of old and you got to see that in Ahsoka when she fights uh, the main lady in the town on that beautiful set uh, like step stepping onto that deck where there's water around them and it's like straight out of you know a, a Japanese samurai film and just seeing those two fight and it was amazing visually just gorgeous um and of course the reintroduction of boba fett the most (laughs) badass entry ever robert rodriguez is the man when it comes to stylized action and amazingness now we almost forgot about um (laughs) it's funny i say that and i just can't think of her name right now uh his companion yeah, Fennec Shand. I, I thought Fennec that's who you were Shand. talking about when you were talking about uh, an amazing uh, woman of Star Wars. Uh, and she's another one too. Ming Na Wen, so many people, who is who is a badass and a good actress and really great and an important character to the story and then obviously into the Book of Boba Fett. But yeah, she's back. Survived, I guess her her gunshot there from from the that first episode. So you know, happy happy to see her back. And then yeah, just that episode with Boba Fett was just just crazy. It was every every person who loved Boba Fett for their whole life. That was I think their their dream to just see him coming in and you know tearing up stormtroopers left, right, and center. Rest in peace, Razorcrest. So everyone who bought that bought that Haslab that was a that was a painful to watch for sure. I spent four hundred dollars on this thing, and y'all blow it up in the that episode. Like, come on, man. 
Oh, question. Did you? Okay. Everybody else thought so too. I believe so too. I was like, no, it can't be, but it can be. He's still alive. Did you really? Did you think that was Boba Fett walking up on Fennec when she was in the desert, just dead or quote unquote dead? Um, I mean, you could was you could hear like the spurs. I think right mm-hmm. is, is what it was. Um, Even Mando I, has a spur effect, though. That's the thing. I was, I was gonna say I never, I didn't hear them like really when I watched it until I saw other mm-hmm. people w- were saying that, and then I listened to it. But um, the you write strings on the walls, the char- the the Charlie <laughs> thing from like that, uh, um, Always Sunny. That's right. Like, yeah, hey, th- this, th- the facts are here. The facts are here. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was doing that for sure. Um, no, I didn't really have any thoughts about it uh, one way or the other. Uh, Boba Fett, I guess, made uh, probably the most most sense, I guess, from from mm-hmm. the season. Uh, you know, we were having, like I said, kind of all of these uh, characters that were known and beloved to everyone coming back. So it made sense, I think, from that standpoint that uh, Boba Fett was going to be, uh, you know, one of the ones that was uh, coming back. So, uh, yeah, so I think that, that that made sense. And then that left us kind of with uh, one more because, unfortunately, uh, also, yeah, the Razor Crest gets blown up. That's bad. Uh, <laughs> Lil, Grogu, Lil Grogu gets taken uh, by the Dark Troopers. That's also bad. Uh, the Dark Troopers are pretty cool with their dubstep mix. But uh, luckily, everyone <laughs> uh. everyone gets back there in time just for a lone X-Wing to pull in and save the day. Um, and, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, something else just, just absolutely... Uh, crazy not Plo Koon as you know was, man uh, was look. leaked which which would have been pretty cool uh uh-uh. maybe maybe I would have been mad maybe even cooler uh to be honest nah. but but I know <laughs> I know uh I know you were high on this uh this end for season two Marcus dude I, I I okay I remember so whenever Grogu got taken did did you get like major Jack Jack vibes from the Incredibles whenever Syndrome took uh the baby oh, at yeah. the end of the first one yeah and, and like, they had uh, they had the tiny, the tiny little binders for his little wrist. Mm. Uh, so, mm-hmm. It was so sad. They were being mean to him. I hated it. Uh, Everybody hate, wanted to jump in that Gideon. screen and just rip those things off. Yeah, terrible, um, terrible stuff. It's, it's, but the thing is, is that oh boy, everybody, everybody. Whenever Grogu made the call out into space, just like everybody thought it was either going to be. Cal Kestis or Mace Windu or even Kyle Katarn at some point. They were all thinking, you know, it's going to be him. But we all we all knew in the back of our heads we were just having fun. But we all knew it was going to be Luke. And when that lone X-Wing showed up, everybody's like, wait a minute. Wait, no, 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 it is. It is. And then the cloak and then the security footage and then the green lightsaber. And it's like, yep, that's it. That's it. That's it. It's it's him! And then the reveal. It's still, Oh, that's one of my most favorite moments of season two is when he comes in, the score, when he comes in, oh, but whenever he takes out the dark troopers in the hallway before he gets to the main room, that shot alone, that entire segment, everything else building up to it is cool, but just that alone shows like this is the Luke Skywalker that we've always wanted to see. This is the master that we wanted, not the broke down, like, I'm so sad, I'm just going to let sit here and die and cut myself off in the force, even though my sister needs me in the middle of a war. I'm just, no, that is Luke Skywalker. Like, oh, there he is. Why didn't we get this in the movies? Because he's 70 years old. That's why I didn't get it in the movies. Uh, so and, and it, it it makes more sense. If Yoda that, could yeah, flip around at eight hundred, he would have like, fallen. Come on. Well, well, no, no Yoda. <laughs> or even for, better, 
no Yoda there, for or sure. even or even uh, Count Dooku. If that man could flip around and still fight Anakin at that speed, like come on, come on. Well, Count- like, age is not a problem in Star Wars. You know this. <laughs> Count, Count Dooku uh, is uh, is an exception to the rule for sure. Um, yeah, so <laughs> is so, the rule. <laughs> so Luke Luke Skywalker comes back um, mm-hmm. and and, and yeah, blows that- everybody's mind. We're all crying. We're all just like, oh my god! And then we're all on the on the ground sobbing just because as soon as um, R two rolls in, she's like, <laughs> and I do not, I do not believe. I'm sorry, Katie. Katie Sackoff, everybody in that room for that Mm. scene. Yeah, they probably shot it in a certain angle and stuff like that, and only certain people were there to see it. But everybody in that room, I don't care who you are. Katie Sackoff, I love you. But when you say you're a massive Star Wars fan, you knew. You knew damn well that was Luke Skywalker. The cloak, the belt, the saber, R2 sitting right next to him. I don't (laughs) care what they told me. That was like, oh, if I was there in that room, and they said, okay, it's going to be Plo Koon coming in. It's like, no, Plo Koon's dead. He he got blown up in episode three. What are you trying mm. to pull here? And then as soon as that costume comes walking through into that room, I would have called BS on that stuff, man. Like, <laughs> uh-uh. No, that's, that's effing Luke Skywalker. That's Luke. I'm in the room with Luke Skywalker. It's like, it's like I'll keep the secret. You, you would just, <laughs> I'm telling you, there would be a blooper of me just like, Dude, I, I gotta go. I gotta go. And I just <laughs> lean behind like one of the consoles is just, just weeping of just excitement and everything. It's like, just give me five minutes, okay? Okay. Okay. You can call action. I'm good. I'm good. And then stone face. see you just you need to take your time but uh yeah so (laughs) so we had yeah so luke skywalker comes uh gets uh gets baby grogu uh goes off with him um for a fate to not be revealed unless you watched uh the book of boba fett uh which is another story that's not what we're going to be here uh talking about today so um that's kind of that's kind of season two we uh we talked a little bit about um you know we ran through these episodes a a little bit were there any other kind of key highlights of the season before we uh get into our current season marcus well top three moments of course, Luke coming back, just, just that entire episode of him coming back and, you know, the, you know, Den versus the Dark Troopers and stuff like that entire episode, that entire finale, fan, mm, chef, kiss, perfect length for an episode, honestly, I think it was like 40 minutes, 40, 42, probably, perfect length for an episode, um, Bo-Katan and Ahsoka coming back, just those two, I'm cheating, I don't care, uh, and... Um, let's see. What's one more? One more. Uh, <laughs> oh, the fight in the, the opening scene of episode one. Just, you know, uh, Grogu and Mando just like walking in out of the darkness. Um, those with John Guizamo as like the, the ring bouncer or whatever. And you see Gamorrean uh, yeah. guards fight. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's like, Oh, you get to see the underground fight ring on this planet and all the Easter eggs in the graffiti and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. It's that the re the return back in is like, okay, we're opening the doors. We're still keeping that gritty tone and darkness. And we're showing you all the stuff, the underbelly of the galaxy itself. So there you go. Boom. Those are the top three moments. There you go. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Those are, those are all good <clears throat> ones. Of course. Um, my favorite, uh, episode of the season, um, you know, kind of the highlight for me was, uh, the Marshall, uh, that whole episode. Yeah. I, I, I really liked a lot. 
um you know and kind of the the world building and like i said the stuff with the tuscan raiders uh was awesome um i like getting bo katan back i thought that that was great and uh kind of their banter and you're learning a little bit more about the the different sects of mandalorians i thought that that was uh pretty interesting and then um you know kind of kind of just that whole rescue sequence um i wasn't i wasn't that the hugest fan of luke skywalker it makes the most sense um but i it felt uh, it's the only it play it wasn't it wasn't it wasn't my wasn't my favorite bit but yeah that that stuff was great and then of course you know grogu and uh, r2 uh they're together how, how can you beat that you can't beat it at all so that's why it's uh, my third uh favorite part there so uh marcus we, we talked a little bit about Mandalorian Season 1, Mandalorian Season 2. Some people, like I said, it felt very different tonally, Season 2 to Season 1. So you had some people who were still really high on it, like yourself. You had some people that maybe were questioning uh, the faith of the Mandalorian, um, you know, like like myself. Uh, but then Season 3... Too. Season three is season three is coming. Like I said, we had some uh, book of Boba Fett stuff asides, which are you know two of the best Mandalorian episodes that weren't even in the Mandalorian. But we're not going to talk about which that right is now. It's kind of sad. We're going to, we're <laughs> going to talk about season three. So Marcus, you had the great pleasure last year of going to Star Wars Celebration, um, and they uh, you know were showing off some season three stuff. I know they had like a Mandalorian experience. I don't know if you uh, made it into that, it. but but I did, did you? It. But uh, tell us about. Um, Mandalorian season three, kind of, kind of that hype train uh, that you got to experience in celebration. Oh boy. Okay. So Star Wars celebration alone, it was one of my biggest dreams to actually go. Like I remember, you know, seeing the footage on like G4 and the early days of YouTube, whenever they uh, went to Star Wars celebration and you get to see people walk around and, the co- the cosplay, the lightsabers, the toys, all that stuff is like every Star Wars kid's dream is to see walk into a convention hall or a huge, massive cathedral, if you will, <laughs> of just nothing but Star Wars all around. It was overwhelming and then somewhat underwhelming uh, because you had all the con- the the collecting pieces there the action figures the patches clothing posters everything you could, it's all there but i did not see one lightsaber vendor there i was like are you <laughs> kidding me even the one that everybody seems to not like which understandably so ultra sabers like i mean not even a custom lightsaber shop anywhere like come on guys what are we doing here um but whatever i digress um but it was such a great experience to actually go there for the first time and even on the the opening day i myself and uh fellow youtubers um ashley and brian from always believe we walked in and we're actually in the the actual uh recap of the first day and the actual closing ceremonies Mm -hmm. uh video so we're in it um so it was everything I wanted minus, you know, no lightsaber thing. Cause I probably would have bought another lightsaber there. Oh, just, just to be honest, I probably would have <laughs> it. And like my credit card would have been like, what are you doing? It would try to run away from me. Um, <laughs> um, but the hype train to Mando season three, it, it was kind of secondary because it was all about Obi-Wan. You know, mm-hmm. the return yeah. of, mm-hmm. you know, Ian McGregor and Hayden Christensen, which the hype was real. It was awesome. It was all I guess stuff. So like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I missed out on the Mandalorian panel because I was running around the entire time trying to, you know, take in the sides. I think I was 
and some other panel at that time, but it's fine. Um, con life, people. If you go go to cons, you know the struggle of getting there extremely early, waiting in line, sitting there. You barely even eat anything. You probably eat once throughout the entire day, and you just keep your fluids going. Just water after water after water. Stay away from energy <laughs> drinks and soda. Just stick to water, people. Just try to not pass out. <laughs> the thing that saved me was the muffins. From, like, there was this like, little cart. Side story. It's a really quick one. Um Next to like the massive line that was leading into the main uh, convention hall at uh, the Anaheim Convention Center out here in California, um, there was this little bitty like little ca- uh, coffee booth, like espresso booth, and they had muffins. I was like, I like me some muffins, and these were big muffins, like mm-hmm. blueberry and chocolate, and I think the chocolate drizzle, vanilla ones, whatever. I was like, okay, I'm gonna get me a blueberry muffin, and that's all I'm gonna need for the day, and. I was low in energy. I bought one and ate that bad boy. And I was good the entire day. Nice. I was good. And kept I you, bought one every single day. <laughs> kept, kept you fueled. It's a good thing that they didn't have lightsabers. You wouldn't have been able to afford all those muffins. Dude, so it worked out. I it worked out. some cash. I had some extra cash. It's fine. <laughs> the credit card goes to the saber. The cash goes to the food. <laughs> yeah, there you go. There you go. Come to find out there were Costco muffins. So I have a problem. Um, <laughs> but still. It was that hype train that was all about, you know, Obi-Wan at the time. But whenever it came to Mando, it was just like, all right, cool. They have a panel. Sweet. I missed it. It's fine. Then the uh, the footage and everything got released or uh, leaked, if you will, through TikTok and stuff like that. Saw the trailer. I was like, all right, cool. Honestly, if, if I was there, I would have been happy about it. And seeing they actually brought Grogu out, like the actual mm. working puppet. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yes, it's a puppet, people. It's the practicality of Mandalorian bringing that the the tangible world back versus completely CGI everything is just perfect. But seeing all that happen and the updates and stuff like that, it was amazing to see later on and experience, you know, through social media and stuff like that. One of the great things about social media, people post stuff. And seeing the trailer... Honestly, I didn't even need to see the trailer. Just tell me a release date at this point. Just I don't need to see any footage. Just show me one picture. I'm good. And then when they announced uh, the Mandalorian experience, and it's like, okay, it's here. I'm like, what? It's like, it's downstairs on the bottom level. I'm like, what, 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 what? And then eventually got down there, and everything and like John Favreau says, like, just please don't touch anything because everything you see there is actual props and we actually are still using them. So, yes, you get the N1 Starfighter that you found you got. He got in uh, Book of Boba Fett. It's there and, and you walk in. It's the full size. And I have never seen anything like an, an exhibit of just amazing proportions, the models, the miniatures. And the actual like cockpit of the the Razor Crest is there with like you know uh, a a suit of Mando and his older you know setup from season one and it was gorgeous. The music that was playing, all of it. There's still I still got photos galore and uh, made like a little collage and stuff like that for uh, my Instagram and TikTok and stuff. It was amazing and. They kind of they kind of regulated it very well to where it kept people moving through and just like, okay, you spend a little time here, spend about 10, 15 minutes walking around, take your photos and stuff like that. People were very cordial. Whatever discourse you hear, you know, online and stuff like that about the Star Wars fandom and how sometimes it could be toxic. It's like, no, 
at Celebration. It is a celebration, and we are excited to see this stuff, and we're all happy. We're all there experiencing something we truly love. Like, I've gotten into arguments with my friends back back and forth, but the thing is, it's a debate, but it's only because we love it. It's like Italians when they get angry. It's like you hear them get loud and stuff like that in <laughs> the conversation of the family, but you think they're fighting. But it's like, no, 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 they love each other. This is how we communicate. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it, it was a loving experience and something amazing to behold, and I hope they, like, take that on the road, like, mm-hmm. like every mm-hmm. every convention or something like that, or pieces from each um, thing. Like if at some point, whenever the series ends or if they have like a year round experience of just like, okay, uh, a mini convention, if you will, a mini Mandalorian convention, there's enough props and costumes and creatures and effects and stuff like that. Bring it, just make duplicates and just have an experience like that. Mm -hmm. I'd pay gladly pay 40 bucks to walk around in a, a museum hall of just seeing the props and, you know, the gift shops, the art prints. I actually have two prints that I bought from the Mandalorian experience. So that was pretty cool that they had in the gift shop at the very end. Um, yeah, it was great. And the hype train was real. It was in full steam ahead and yeah, it was great. Yeah, very, very jealous when I saw the uh, Mandalorian experience because, because <laughs> yeah, like you described it, Marcus, you know, from from what I gathered at home, just seeing people post about it is that, you know, because it wasn't really like scheduled to be there. Like no one knew of it until like that day. And then they're like, hey, there's this thing downstairs. So, you know, people were waiting in line. And like you said, it was kind of like a timed entry. So, um, you know, whether you're able to, to get oh, in or yeah. not. So, was, um, it, so that's awesome that you were uh, able to, to get in and the- uh, check that stuff out. Yeah, they had a digital queue and everything. It worked out, and even if you haven't didn't have the digital invite, um, it was throughout the entire day. So like every hour, I think they would shut it down for like maybe twenty thirty minutes to give everybody some time to, because they were you know still under like COVID uh, restrictions stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Like only a certain amount of people would be down there, so they would you know do it in waves, which it was very well prepared and well set up. I got to give it kudos in the. The scheduling and putting it together and coordination that was there it was fantastic but yeah it it was an experience that i'm sorry you didn't get to see but i guarantee <laughs> yeah. they're, they're gonna bring that back they have to at some point i say it, it probably works out you know it being in anaheim so that stuff was close by so i wonder um in celebration here that's happening in uh, just like a week London. after after this releases, if they're going to do something uh, similar with uh, stuff from Andor, uh, potentially for that, because that stuff would all be uh, close by. So anyone going to Celebration, definitely, uh, you know, tag me and let me know, because I want to want to see all of that stuff. So, uh, yeah, I, like you said, I, I'd completely forgotten that Obi-Wan was coming out right after Celebration. But, yeah, I knew that the, the trailer released there. Um, I knew that they had that Mandalorian experience there. I'm glad you got to got to experience it, because that was that was quite a while ago. Um now season three uh just uh just debuted march the first so just at the beginning of of this month so um mm-hmm. marcus let's uh let's do this we um we've only got four episodes here to go through let's get into each one a little bit um we don't have to go like like nuts like completely uh doing like some recap on this thing but uh we're starting things off with chapter 17 the apostate um like I said, if you uh, if you didn't watch uh, Book of Boba Fett, I actually was watching. Uh, I watched this episode with my uh, father. My parents were in town visiting, um, and it starts up, and uh, you know he flies the starfighter mm-hmm. in, and uh, Grogu pops up in the little bubble. And my dad looked at me, and he's like, "I guess he got him back, huh?" <laughs> so, <laughs> so you see, there's the problem with that. That's why I was just like, 
like, oh, why'd they do that to Boba Fett? It's like, just y'all could have just left that alone and then <laughs> had him show up and just get Grogu back and, you know, Mando season three. You could have padded it out. It could have, you know what? Those two episodes could have been one hour long as just one major episode. Come on, guys. Or like a little special presentation. And right. then you lead into season three. And just brought it on. Yeah, absolutely. So um, we've got The Apostate. It's directed by uh, Rick Famuyiwa, who is uh, one of the executive producers this season. So kudos to him. He's directed some of the more incredible episodes, I think, um, for myself. But uh, yeah, we're learning a a little bit about uh, Din. He flies back uh, in his N1 Starfighter. Um, And I'm going to go ahead and get this right out of the way for season four or season three so far. It looks unbelievably good. It looks it looks so good. Dude, this, this, okay. I guess the budget team, the money goes into Mandalorian first and into Andor. I don't know what they did to Obi-Wan, but it's like, come on, guys. Everybody's like, well, the volume doesn't really give any realistic thing. Like, okay, tell me. Give me five shots that you tell me that you can easily tell me that was the volume. And I'll guarantee you this is live action and an actual like parking lot somewhere in Southern California. Shut up. It looks amazing. (laughs) People, it doesn't matter visual. It is gorgeous. Just be happy with it. You can pick it apart later, but look how gorgeous these episodes are, especially the first one coming back. Yeah. The, uh, all of the, all of the stuff with the, uh, N one Starfighter, the dog fighting, um, the weather effects, all mm-hmm. looks just just unbelievable. It looks so so good. Um, but you know, moral of the story: go back. Din needs to you know go bathe in the living waters of Mandalore. Um, he wants to go find a buddy. What'd you think about that, Marcus? He's going back to uh, meet up with our good friend Grief Karga. See if he can rebuild IG Eleven to go with him on this uh, fact finding oh, mission. Man alive, making like the most <laughs> prettiest uh, like volcanic planet or city into like. The, the, look, Galaxy's Edge is nice. I want to go there. I want to go to mm. Navarro. Okay. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I, I was... loved, loved the statue of for IG Eleven. Loved it. Oh, the statue. The statue is great. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was part mm-hmm. bronzed and then you know part of like his actual actual uh, being there. I was really looking at the at the city there, um, which I'm mm-hmm. drawing a blank on the on the name of to see if I could pick out if they had Navarro. filmed any of it. Navarro. Yeah, if they had filmed any of mm-hmm. it. it on Batu because it kind of looks a little similar, but I couldn't I couldn't uh, pick anything out that looked like it was nah. a, a one for one there. So I don't I don't I don't think that they did. I don't I don't think that they did. But it goes back. No, we the get parks like a... couldn't shut down long enough for them to film something <laughs> that's, because that's people would be all find a way to get over there. That's right. Grief Grief Karga <laughs> is high magistrate now. He's got little droids to carry, uh, keep his robe up off of the ground, his cape <laughs> off the ground. Uh, that's pretty awesome. We get a bunch of little uh, Anzellans, the little Babu Fricks uh, there, which is a really great scene. It, it reminded you of kind of in that first season when Din Djarin's sitting in that little tiny cockpit of the Sandcrawler, you know, talking mm-hmm. to the Jawas, you know, same same thing there. He's kind of kind of hunched over. That that scene was great. So you get the that creepy like one and a half speed of IG Eleven when he comes back to life. And I don't know this this episode was just firing firing on all cylinders for me. It really it like was. brought me back it, in. It really was like with uh, Bobby Freak uh, species. The thing is that could have gone totally wrong, but nope, it was great. If it's one of the th- few things from Rise of Skywalker that was a positive, that was it. Um, but. I do have a problem with this episode, though. Okay. IG-11. I mm. I get it. You want to bring him back. You need a nurse droid. You need somebody to, to protect Grogu while you go off and do stuff. But, dude, 
you take away one of the it was one of the most emotional moments of season one to mm. see IG Eleven. Like this is like one of the first few times that I've actually been like really emotional for a droid. And the thing is of him sacrificing himself to save everybody. You take that away. You kind of ruin that moment when you pr- try to bring him back and you just defile his corpse. Like, come on, man. <laughs> um, that's one trope I am tired of seeing in uh, movies and all television stuff like that. It's like if a character makes a sacrifice, they sacrifice their life. They give everything to save everybody. Let them go out that way. They did it like three or four times in Buffy. It's just like, oh, she gave her life to save her sister. All right, cool. She's back. It's like, <laughs> she's, give it. she's back. And then even the musical, she's basically just like, I was in heaven, man. Y'all ripped me out of heaven. Now I'm back in hell. I'm like, come on, dude. I'm like, just let let the heroes have a heroic end and let them go and let them live in peace. You can find another IG droid. You can find another. You can introduce a new character, if you will, a, a new droid to protect. And then armaments and stuff like that. It, it's a sort of like retread that I hate seeing. That's a trend, and it's just. Ugh. But other than that, it was still a great episode, and of course, another tie-in to Rebels: The Purgle. Seeing the them in ah uh, ah, uh, as soon as you saw as they're going through hyperspace, and as soon as he looks out and you see the outline of them, like ah uh, ah uh, ah, it's the Purgle! It's the Purgle! They're massive. Like you really get the scale of them in live action. You did in the animated series, but. Oh my! <laughs> now, that if was you another gorgeous scene. Now, oh. if you're going to Celebration in London and they're showing uh, Mando so far on any sort of big screen theater, go see it because that scene alone would be worth seeing. Because mm-hmm. I didn't, I don't think I've ever seen anything you know at the same s- sort of scale that Dune had on an IMAX screen. But that scene would be insane on an IMAX screen. You have the oh little N1 God. Starfighter about one inch big on a 200-foot-wide screen. Uh, that would be, I don't know, it, it was incredible. It was emotional. And you just have little Grogu sitting there just, you know, bright-eyed looking at him out there. It's It was uh, it was so incredible. Um you know, from from that standpoint, the IG Eleven stuff, I kind of I kind of agree with you. Um, I still feel like that's going to be some sort of uh, thing that gets revisited at some point. Mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, I guess you kind of play that off of you know, Dinjarin has always been very hesitant to uh, to work with droids, droids, and that was yeah. the only one that he that he ever had. Um, and and it, it kind of is a little weak then as we get into our, our second episode when he ends up taking uh, R5-D4. But I, I really liked <laughs> the characterization of R5-D4 in this. So just rattling, just so afraid. Just, just, so, just so afraid, <laughs> just so afraid. So let's uh, let's hop into it, Marcus. So uh, Chapter 18, The Minds of Mandalore. Um, I already uh, blew it right there. R5-D4, uh, Din still needs mm-hmm. to get a droid to go back to um, the thing. Oh, and I forgot my absolute favorite part of the first episode here um, when he goes to the Mandalorian castle and Bo-Katan is just lounged out on that Dude, throne. Dude, sitting back chilling. Katie, just wow. Katie Sackhoff is bringing her A++ game uh, this season so far. and uh, Talk about a power pose. Man. Oh just my like, gosh. What's up? It, was, it was so <laughs> good and, and I loved um, her bit of dialogue there in that first one. Um, you know, it really got into kind of the mindset and the psyche of how she was feeling. 
unbelievable unbelievable stuff so uh into the second one minds of mandalore uh we're headed to to mandalore with r5 d4 we get to Another go back and see gorgeous episode oh. see see uh peli motto uh there gives us r5 d4 who seems as nervous a droid as there ever was which is which is pretty endearing and yeah they get to um yeah, they get to get to Mandalore and go on back and forth, uh, you know, from there to Bo-Katan's castle, um, and it just looks stunning, um, you know, that approach into the <laughs> castle, the approach into into Mandalore. But uh, moral of the story is, Din bathes in the living water. Uh, there is a Mythosaur sighting, uh, perhaps, uh, for Bo-Katan, and uh, yeah, this is the way. Both uh, both redeemed, I guess, in the eyes of the armor. And probably one of the most creepiest creatures ever in Star Wars is that. It's like, yeah, we had the spiders that were, you know, on in season um in season two. It's like, yeah, sure. Fine. Whatever. And you <laughs> see them in and you see them in Rebels, uh, but on uh what's the planet? Uh what's uh Ezra's planet? Lothal. Lothal, anyway. yeah. Yeah. We get to see them there. Uh case in point. But that thing because one it doesn't speak two it's just an eye and then three it's 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 something like out of a cronenberg kind of creature kind of create creation just it mm-hmm. just drains your blood and just leaves your body there and probably the creatures that are on that planet just eat it and just him being drained as he was taken in just like, oh man that was terrifying that's right. Yeah. Uh, luckily, uh, Bo-Katan picks up the uh, dark saber um, and wields it like a freaking boss. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know if Dinjarin's over there like half passed out, but uh, hopefully he saw it and saw what he's supposed to be doing with it uh, <laughs> for real. <laughs> but yeah, this this episode episode was really great. Um, we got to see you know more of Mandalore as they're kind of going down, traversing. You're seeing kind of the lines of the way that you know the mines and the city of Mandalore looked and felt, and it felt very. It felt very epic and historic. Um, you know, she's reading from that plaque at the Living Waters. Like, uh, you know, you and me, Marcus, uh, big KOTOR fans, you know, we totally could have saw uh, Candor, yeah, Candorous running around uh, down there. Uh, well, if he got off a of Duxon, sure. Um, <laughs> the thing is, uh, one, one thing is that I love seeing Mandalore now because in Clone Wars, we get to see it in its, in its prime. Before you know, you know Darth Maul takes over and Previs, all that stuff. We get to see it slowly be destroyed, and then in here we actually see like the aftermath, and it was beautiful, but also haunting and sad. Mm-hmm. It's like seeing like the Mandalorian helmets that are in the in the rubble and stuff like that, basically the bones of what the past was. Mm-hmm. So it was. Uh, I love the emerald green and crystallization of it. It's like, oh yeah, it's still livable people, but it's just, you know, by the religion, everybody's thinking that it's you right. know, cursed yeah, yeah. and inhabitable. It's like, no, clearly it is. Yeah. Surface turned to glass and it, it looks, it looks great and barren. And like you it's said, like yeah, very, very much, uh, very much a, a fall from fall from grace here. And uh, mm-hmm. yeah, you had, you had the crazy, creepy little spider guy had a bunch of the Mandalorian uh, helmets and stuff yeah. there too. So um so yeah, so definitely, definitely kind of a fall from grace. It'll be interesting, um, I guess, if we you know end up you know reuniting all the Mandalorians, if 
they go back to Mandalore to try to re-inhabit it and, and rebuild it in some sort of way, that would be uh, really interesting. Um, and then, of course, you have the Mythosaur um, at the end as Bo-Katan's going down to save Din Djarin. Uh, that was the Who buzz just of slipped the... and just sunk like a rock. <laughs> <laughs> he, he just, he just like... went straight in, uh, straight One, down. One, two, swoop! <laughs> she, uh, she pulls him back out um and yeah that that mythosaur we've we've seen mythosaur in some comics and and stuff like that and it always uh, kind of seemed like i don't know maybe like the size of a rancor a little bit bigger than that but uh this thing by all accounts seems this to be about massive. the size of godzilla uh potentially <laughs> so it's a kaiju dude that that that's not a monster that's a kaiju it's like good god it's like how do you have room to move around down there good lord <laughs> that's right that's right so uh so good stuff so like i said bathed um in the waters uh don't take your helmets off and you get to be a mandalorian again um and that's mm-hmm. what we're going to learn uh chapter 19 the convert uh we're back we're meeting up again with dr pershing uh who is uh, kind of a pivotal uh character and and that first as we're learning about cloning we see some uh potential little failed snoke clones in season two and now we're uh getting into the nitty-gritty of uh what uh, dr pershing did is he's going to be rehabilitated um into the uh new republic so uh kudos to him but before we do that uh, Bo-Katan and Din Djarin are leaving Mandalore to head back to her castle when, I don't know, like 10,000 uh, TIE fighters show up out of nowhere to attack them. Um, mm-hmm. Which I, this I already, plays into a theory. I already, this... I, already, I already talked to... Yeah, that's right. You save your theory, Marcus. Um, I already talked about how amazing this look. Um, when he does like his... like like free like free jump out of mm-hmm. Bo-Katan's ship um, and that TIE fighter flies flies past him. That's unbelievable. They had to have been rendering this stuff for like the last two years. Dude. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. It looks so good. Oh my God. This this is Lucasfilm at its best when it comes to visual effects and mixture of visual effects and practicality. It's like, yeah, he's on a wire. They do it it is actually him on a, a a drop. But the thing is, you know, the blending of CGI and everything in there to make it all seem so seamless. It was oh oh just everything looks so good the cloud effects and the mist that's hitting his armor as he's falling through the clouds and stuff like that i uh just the details alone and just that shot of him dropping is amazing it's like i why i want this in a video game guys i, I want this i want to play this this is a level i would just keep playing over and over again i would die on purpose just to do the drop again <laughs> that yeah that's that's right yeah it it looks gorgeous and uh we'll we'll get into it now marcus since we're since we're at this point so like like we said there were about 10,000 uh tie fighters tie bombers came in uh blew up Bo-Katan's castle that's sad she was pretty upset about that but uh bad news uh 10,000 uh tie uh, what are what are they called? Uh, the tie someone, interceptors. Tie interceptors. Someone. And tie bombers. They blew up my house, man. I'm taking them all out. <laughs> someone, someone in particular might have uh, have sent those uh, on its way. So, uh, Marcus, I think I think that your theory is probably as good as any of the other theories because we've already seen uh, Purgle, uh, who was who was riding on one of those. I don't know. Hard to say, but mm-hmm. maybe maybe is a is a, yeah. a blue gentleman. Uh, they may of, find out a little bit more, uh, you know, from, Soka, but still from from uh, from the uh, the Chiss ascendancy. So, uh, what do you mm-hmm. think, Marcus? Uh, who sent all of those Tie Fighters? I don't know. He's got red eyes, though. He's got, uh, red, <laughs> he's, got he's got red eyes. He's a Grand Admiral of some sorts or other. Uh, but yeah, I think uh, definitely that's setting up <laughs> setting up uh, something that we're going to to learn uh, later on where those came from. And yeah, uh, the plausible one is uh, is uh, Mr. Thrawn. Mr. Thrawn himself. Uh huh. 
So the theory I have, it's now I'm I, I can't take full credit from this because I've heard this theory and I and I'm a firm believer in this just re just reinvigorated that theory. Mandalorian, you know, season one, we introduced, you know, you know, aftermath and stuff like that. All right, cool. Season two, we introduce all these new characters and characters that we know, and then the drop of Grand Admiral Thrawn's name. That's the first like big like okay, and then you know Moff Gideon him having that that ship that still is running like a just a perfect Cadillac, just running just perfect. How did how do they still have all these Tie Fighters? Oh wait, because there are still you know regions where you know Imperial forces are still out there. It'll eventually lead to the First Order. Whatever, who cares? But the mention of Grand Admiral Thrawn. And if you have never watched Rebels, again, watch those four seasons. It is the best content for Star Wars after the Clone Wars. It's four seasons. You can binge all four of them. It's amazing. They're all in Disney+. Plus. It's You'll love it because it's going to tie into Ahsoka later on. And you get more backstory with Ahsoka, what she's been up to. Anyway, at the end of that, two characters go missing. I'm not going to say the other one because, you know, just in case you want to watch it, but... Grand Admiral Thrawn gets disappeared by uh, the Purgle when they wrap around the Star Destroyer. So, <laughs> right. and he okay. goes off into the unknown regions. So, if you've ever read the books, the the Thrawn trilogy back then, the what is it called again, Brian? Oh, the uh, the heir to the Empire. There you books, go. Yeah. I think we're going to get a version of that with, you know, Luke Skywalker coming in. I wouldn't be surprised if we get a young Han Solo and young, young Princess Leia because they do play a part in it, in it. But if they don't have them in there, fine. But it's playing into that theory that that was too many TIE Interceptors and TIE Fighters and TIE Bombers just to be off of one ship. Now, you could also say maybe Moth Gideon, you know, got out of the New Republic hold somehow. Somebody broke him out and there's somebody undercovered that still works for the empire still believes in the empire broke him out sure you can say that whatever fine but i think it's going to be thrawn that shows up and then we're going to get heir to the empire mandalorian's leading into this ahsoka's leading into this whatever new live action series is coming after i think uh what is it skeleton crew mm-hmm. all mm-hmm. and that's going to be exploring the unknown regions which is going to be even more fur- further this the plot i think Grand Admiral Thrawn will be the Star Wars equivalent of Thanos event level. It'll be the huge, huge thing that's going to happen. It's all leading to this. Now, if they were smart, they would do, all right, cool. Mandalorian's going to end here. The mid-season finale, the penultimate episode, will end on Disney+. And then, the following week, the following week or two, eh, yeah, the following week, just just for distance wise, you will have a full on two hour movie, a full on Star Wars movie in theaters of the series finale of Mandalorian, mm-hmm. where you have Luke Skywalker, Ahsoka, um, Boba Fett, you know, everyone that was there, all the Mandalorians, everybody come together, that f- big, huge, you know, Avengers moment, just all going after Grand Admiral Thrawn and it'll end there on the big screen where Star Wars mm. belongs. Okay. And then and okay. then probably like a week later, in a week or two two weeks later, the finale will be on Disney Plus for those that want to go to the, that don't want to go to the theater. There you go. 
Okay. And that is a theory I fully subscribe <laughs> to, and I believe it's happening. It is truly happening. All right. Uh, that is a lot of uh, yellow post-it notes on your wall back behind you right now. Marcus, oh, tying these things you together. That. Um, it's like not, one right there, right there, right there, right there. <laughs> and, uh, uh, I do, I do want to get back into this episode because I want to go and uh, talk about Dr. Pershing on Coruscant. But uh, one other thing, oh. just just to, to tie into that, um, if you're watching The Bad Batch, um, they are uh, bringing up and uh, talking about and going to Mount Tantus, which is the uh, cloning uh, place that might have also been an heir to the Empire uh, with Grand Admiral Thon. So there you go. So let's see if all of these see, strings see, are starting see. to go somewhere. But uh, but where we are going for sure is back to Coruscant. This is our first time mm-hmm. going on like full blown live action Ugh. Coruscant, um, seeing the city, it wandering like around. Blanket. It was like it was, it was like so a warm good. blanket. Uh, we're at the Opera Hall where. Um, uh, Dr. Pershing is giving his speech. This was directed by uh, Lee Isaac Chung, who directed Minari, uh, which was one of my favorite films of the last, I don't know, five years or so. Um, really, really good. And, you know, kind of more of this uh, character study. Um, again, we're taking a little bit of, of a break. We get, you know, Mando and Bo-Katan there at the beginning. We get them at the end as they get back to um, that little Mandalorian beach cave planet and, you know, get uh, get themselves back into the uh, the good graces of the armor um, and their followers there. But what do you think about uh, Dr. Pershing's story here on Coruscant? It's it's kind of it's kind of giving off some creepy vibes. I don't know that I'm I'm picking up what the New Republic is trying to put down, Marcus. This is probably going to go down as one of my most favorite episodes of the series or of the series and of this season is because we get to see something that's never been done in Star Wars what is it like for someone that has left a major regime? Think, think of it like this. Um, there's a movie. Uh, well, it's like a special, but it's actually a movie. I believe it's called, uh, at it anyway, generation war, generation war. Thank you. Um, basically that movie, I I say it's a movie because it's basically, it's, Three parts uh, added into a movie when someone handed me the DVD. But Generation War, that followed the German side of the war, of World War Two. Yeah, sure, you know, you're following, I think, four or five characters. And yeah, they're showing up with the SS and stuff like that. But sure, th- there was a, that pride of, you know, being a part of something that changes the world. Yeah, sure. I'm not saying it was a positive thing what Germans did in World War Two. Every either side, you know, has their heroes, has their villains and stuff like that. They have villains. People see the Republic as villains or the rebellion as villains, as terrorists. People saw, you know, the Empire as terrorist and, you know, dictatorship and all that stuff. It's there's it's always a win, lose, lose, win kind of situation. But in Generation War, not all the characters, you know, fully go for the the German or, you know, what? Hitler's mindset was like, yes, we should destroy everything and take over. We are the great country of, you know, Germ- Germany. We are the best, blah, 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 blonde hair, blue eyes. We are the best. No, th- not all of them did. They saw the horrors of it and they didn't want to be a part of all of it. Only one of them did just wanted to die as a soldier. But the rest of them, whenever, you know, the Jewish people were being in concentration camps and stuff like that, they saw the horrors of it and they wanted no part of it. And then afterwards, they tried to reintegrate into society after what they've done. It's like, mm-hmm. okay, and it's not easy. It's, you know, they go into different kind of housings. They have to live their life knowing what they've done and, you know, go through that 
life-changing situation. That is what I saw with Dr. Pershing is that yes, you see all the other soldiers that were in with the empire stuff like that. It's a, a cleaner version, if you will, um, a lighter version. And yeah, they miss, you know, the uniforms, they miss, you know, traveling through hyperspace. Dr. Pershing was one of the most charismatic characters. He really believed in his research. He, he wasn't necessarily a mad scientist, if you will. I don't mm -hmm. think he was ever doing anything to harm anyone. He probably was ordered to at some point, And as you can see, it affected him. So he's generally a good man. And he was just on the wrong side. Mm -hmm. Because they all followed that thought of just like, yes, we're bringing order back to the galaxy. We're doing something great. And y'all may have at some point, but it was all horrible in the end. And you got to see that with him. And that is why I loved that character ever since he was introduced in season one. I was mm -hmm. just like, oh, he genuinely cared for, for Grogu. He, like, he sees a child. He's not seeing it as an experiment. That was a beautiful, beautiful detail. And to see him trying to live his life anew in the New Republic, seeing, you know, the problems that they have is that, oh, we're getting rid of all this imperial technology. It's like, it's still good technology. I'm still a doctor. Why aren't you using me as a doctor? I get it. I did some stuff, but I could help. And the, and the hubris of the New Republic, they don't want to listen. They want to make everything new. It's like, get rid of all that trash. We don't want stuff like that. And just the... The emotional and uh, the term in, inner struggle with him as he's seeing all this information being destroyed, good information, good things that could really, really help the old, the new republic. Just it's just tearing him apart. So to see him basically revert, revert to back to what he would probably do whenever he was working for the Empire, mm -hmm. going on covert covert missions and doing stuff. That was amazing and sad at the same time. And I yeah. want one of those biscuits. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the biscuits look really good. I think uh, StarWars.com, I think, put the recipe for the biscuits out. I'm going to make some. So go ahead and whip some <laughs> up. You can you can send some uh, my way for sure because, yeah, they looked pretty good. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was, it was really interesting, um, you know, kind of character study, looking at someone who's trying to do the right thing and um, – you know, you basically have all this like bureaucratic red tape and, you know, yeah, how much man. of that is willing, you know, is someone willing to, to go through to, to do what's right or to stay in line or to, you know, you know, to whatever have you. And then we're reintroduced to Alia Kane, who was on uh, Moff Gideon's uh, ship there. So they knew each other mm -hmm. from a former life and you don't really know what her whole deal is at the end of this. Uh, you know that she's doing something uh, not great there at the end, but you don't know why she's doing it or what angle. So I'm really interested to see uh, more of her character and, you know, what, what exactly uh, kind of the end of the section here with uh, Dr. Pershing means is he's basically getting his uh, mind uh, rewiped by this, you know, they got rid of all of the good technology that the empire had, but apparently we can still use the bad technology to uh, make sure that uh, people are falling in line for the new for Republic. real. So you, you get rid of all <laughs> the stuff about cloning and, you know, the technology of just like hyperspace, uh, technology and you get rid of all the stuff, but no, we can have the murder machines. It's like, yeah. what? Like, come on guys. What are y'all, what are y'all doing? And I never trusted her. 
the moment she showed up. I'm sorry. Like she, she was yeah, too she, cold. She, she seems a little suspicious. I will say there was there was something, and maybe I'm totally just uh, making this up in my head. Um, but go back and rewatch. So Dr. Pershing at the very beginning, uh, kind of of this section, he's giving a little speech, and then he he does this thing where he kind of pauses and scratches his hand, and then he tells a story about his mom uh, mm-hmm. being uh, being sick, and then later when he's in talking to his little like therapy droid thing, you know, that's uh, basically getting him to, you know, sign off that he's not uh, going bad. He does that same thing before he lies to the droid. So he touches his ear and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't, I don't know uh, a little bit of uh poker tells there. Uh, maybe uh, it's kind of a blink and you'll miss it. So I don't know. I'm, I'm very interested to see how their story uh, continues on because I think that it's going to be very, very important and, you know, kind of the, the future storytelling of how we get to, you know, this, this, you know, you know, wash over uh, New Republic to, you know, yeah. the First Order and stuff like that. So really, really good stuff there. Really great episode. And then, uh, loved, yeah. Loved, loved it. And Such it, a great actor. The the actor that played uh, Dr. Pershing. He, yeah. Excellent work, guys. Mm-hmm. Ex- excellent, excellent work. I just... Man, it, it was just so heartbreaking by the end, but I was not surprised when she, you know, again, if y'all are not watching the season, why are y'all listening to this? Um, when she <laughs> turned on him, it's just like, yeah, I didn't trust it because this was too easy. It was always too easy. Mm-hmm. It's, I, mm, I yep. rarely trust anybody. I rarely trusted anybody that used to work for the Empire. And honestly, Dr. Pershing is one of the only few that I actually did trust and still do because mm-hmm. he got a bad rap, man. And the fact, it, just the parallels alone are just like how many, how many planets has the empire made people, how many lives and colonies and stuff like that, civilizations have they made refugees to come to Coruscant or different planets as taking them. Now y'all are the refugees. How's it feel? You know, yeah, it's, that's... there's so many great, great things happening in that episode. That's why it's going to be down hands down going to be one of my favorite episodes of the season and um and to kind of finish up with that episode then you get uh uh Dinjarin and Bo-Katan uh, like I said making it back and you know showing proof that they were in the in the waters mm-hmm. under the mines of Mandalore and um you know Bo-Katan is basically taken into um this group of these religious zealots that she'd always you know kind of you know denounced uh you know, as long as we've known uh, Bo-Katan. So now you're starting to see some kind of inner turmoil within her. You know, is this is this going to be something where she feels, you know, accepted Ooh, part, of, part of this thing? Uh, it's so good Ooh. as it kind of closes in on her helmet. So uh, we're going to mm-hmm. have to wait and see. And then uh, we have our, our last episode here that we're going to be talking about. Um, by the time this is out, I think we'll have another episode out. But uh, this is Chapter 20, so the fourth episode. We've made it halfway through our first season, Marcus, The Foundling, uh, directed by Carl Weathers um it's 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 really good of course you, you've seen all of the stuff you've got little uh little grogu there sitting on the beach you think he's uh moving the rocks around but we're, <laughs> we're getting into into some mandalorian rock crabs <laughs> into, some, into some mandalorian training which is very uh reminiscent to uh KOTOR 2 on Ducks in there where the Mandalorians mm-hmm. are fighting and having their fighting rings. That's um, kind of immediately... And shooting range, fighting what, rings, jetpack range, all of it. Exactly what I thought about. Um, but, uh, you know, bad news for the Mandalorians. They get uh, one of the one of the younglings, or foundlings, foundlings? Uh, snatched up. One of the foundlings gets snatched up by this uh, very mean-looking uh, giant bird uh, kind of thing. So they're on a rescue mission to go uh, get them. I really liked kind of the 
the world building and um, you know exploration of the Mandalorians you know talking as they go off on this uh, hunting party with uh, Paz Vizsla and Din Djarin and uh, Bo-Katan there and you know talking about how do you eat with uh, taking your your helmet off I really liked that and he's like oh you know we just go somewhere and and do it when no one's watching and she gets to stay by the fire because she's the the party leader Dude, and... one of these is like well <laughs> exactly. nobody's looking at me <laughs> don't you look at me make sure i no can't eat while you look at me <laughs> make, make sure no one's looking at you so so that stuff is is really fun but then you know back at the at the beach in the cave you've got grogu and the armor uh there and she is teaching you know talking to him about you know these are the things you're gonna have to learn you know to to become a mandalorian uh which is really great and really interesting and then we get the flashback of all flashbacks to see how grogu made it out of the jedi temple uh, who was there to rescue him, Marcus? It's an old friend. Oh, oh, John Campia, you are a prophet because that man basically said, it's like, you know, who could possibly save Would I would be surprised if y'all did this. It would be amazing and mo- one of the greatest redemption stories of all time if Jar Jar Binks saved Grogu at the temple. Honestly, in a roundabout way, he did. It was Ahmed Best, which if y'all, I didn't watch it. I think I watched maybe the, just the first episode because I was like, all right, cool. This reminds me of Guts, uh, the old Nickelodeon show, which is still amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, the Star Wars Jedi Temple Challenge uh, kid show that's on YouTube. And he plays Calrin Beck as the Jedi, Jedi Master that's training the new uh, younglings. Well, it's... I'm at best as Calrin Beck in a new, a new robe set with the gold inlining around the collar. He saved Grogu and, uh, my heart was full. It, it was just like, oh, oh, this John Favreau, Dave Filoni, you are wonderful human beings for giving this man something that was truly deserved, something amazing, the honor of doing something great for star wars again playing the a third character if you will um <laughs> but uh my heart blew up in just happiness whenever he the doors open and he stepped forward and it was him i was like oh my god he got to save grogu because <laughs> people would have thought it was either you know gonna be another jedi or whoever like some people said mace windu is like no 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 that man's like fried he wouldn't save that kid <laughs> Um, he wouldn't save alive, the kid even if you uh, even if he was still alive. Mace Windu. So <laughs> yeah, he he's too busy like working on. He's burned. Like he's, no, I'm he's, sorry. He's burned. That's right. I'm yeah, hurt. the yeah the the theories have been all over the place. Right. It was going to be um it was going to be I'd, I'd seen like Hondo Anaka came and got him or um mm-hmm. you know any any number of these other uh, Jedi Cal Kestis you know uh, always comes up in these now because those timelines are are starting to go uh, cross the paths. But yeah, Kelleran Beck. Uh, uh, the Jedi of all Jedi is there to to get him off of there. I really loved it, and it looked so amazing. Um, he jumps <sighs> on that speeder and is flying through uh, Coruscant, just like in Attack of the Clones, the beginning of yes. that. Um, it's, it was so, so... So gorgeous. So gorgeous. gorgeous. It was so good. It was so um, kind of emotional then, and they finally make their way to that landing pad where the... Uh, you know the uh, the royal yacht uh, there from mm-hmm. Naboo is there and gets off on that. I, we don't know uh, who's going to be uh, who's going to be next in the uh, custody of Grogu. So that's going to be another story yeah. for another day. But but Keller and Beck, it was amazing. Uh, I there, no, I don't know anyone that could have picked that when that door opened. So. No, it was it was it was amazing to see him come back. Like 
people don't know, man, whenever episode one, like we know as fans, but when episode one came out, it's like for a generation, like for our generation that grew up with, you know, the original trilogy, we were expect we had the highest expectations for episode one. And honestly, it delivered, but it also, like how Last Jedi split the fandom, episode one was not met with really good reviews people hated jar jar binks they thought he was the worst thing to ever come up but yeah you think you think uh, people are toxic about the uh, sequel trilogy go back to 1999 uh luckily we didn't have the internet like we have so well we had the internet we just didn't have social media the thing the thing is it was just we had aol dial-up still back then like you know we (laughs) Mm -hmm, it mm -hmm. we had chat boards and stuff like that but it wasn't nearly not like today um God, goodness. people, Thank goodness. yeah, people went after after him and Jake Lloyd, and you know those two alone had the harshest, the harshest uh, treatment by Star Wars fans back then. It's just like, oh, you guys, these are human beings, and to hear his story, um, Ahmed almost committed suicide, and you know, luckily he pulled himself out of that and you know he finally found got his footing back and it's like dude uh, for me i i never hated jar jar that that much i was like he's annoying but i didn't really hate him it's like i if he was not in it whatever but he actually served a purpose so and it reminded you that star wars and george has said it himself star wars is for 12 year olds it's for kids well, you have the kid element. You're entering a new section of Star Wars in a timeline that is plentiful and not, you know, everybody living by scraps. Like, yeah, you're going to be meeting new creatures. Would I have changed Jar Jar to be not as, you know, you know, like fallible and just like bumbling all the time? Sure. But as it is, I'm glad that he was that way because it reminded us that, yeah, there's a childlike innocence and fumbling when it comes to living life in Star Wars and stuff like that. So he earned, you know, in, you know, subsequent sequels later on, he became somebody important. He became a politician and stuff like that. And there you go. But people, I'm glad the fandom actually just like realized what they have done. And they even went after Hayden back then. I'm I'm so happy that they realized that, yeah, man, whenever he came back in Star Wars Celebration, I would think uh, like two years ago on stage and everybody cheered and just like happy to see him still here because they know it's like, man, y'all had a you had a really hard time of what we did and we're sorry. And this was one of the greatest like like, yes, you deserve this, dude. You deserve <laughs> to be on screen with one of the greatest characters and saving one of the greatest characters and having that honor of going out like a badass, honestly. Yeah. Um, it was, it was truly heartwarming and amazing to see him come back. And I'm so glad that they gave him that honor, like taking his character from the kid game show that actually sort of kind of is canon and making him fully, you know, vitalized and giving him like a regal look to where it wasn't just a standard cloak. It was actually more of a cape and just, just that was the first thing that that just caught my eye was the gold lining on the collar. I was like, oh, yeah. oh, yeah, it's, yeah. It definitely had a had a great look, and yeah. Now not only you know a a 
you know, a, a character within Star Wars, uh, an important one, right? A very important. Exactly. It was, was the person that got Grogu out of the out of the Jedi Temple. So now for the next, I don't know, unless something bad happens for the next 800 years of Star Wars storytelling, <laughs> uh, Keller and Beck is going to be, you know, kind of the flashpoint really? for, for all of those stories. So that's awesome. Oh, yeah. Um, I was... Um, I'd mentioned it earlier uh, about getting getting a, a wee bit uh, of the of the emotions uh, going in me, but right kind of at the end of this flash, <laughs> right at the end of this flashback where where Grogu is you know having having this memory going, and then it's like flashing between like his memories and his giant and eyes and, and the and the sparks of the armor uh, hammering uh, down was it was just it was so much it was it was so much awesome stuff so uh yes mm-hmm. very ex- very excited about that um kind of to wrap up the story they you know they go they find the uh foundling there in this uh you know comes back to this to this nest and then you have this this free-for-all trying to get them it, it it's it still it looks so great to have these mandalorians flying with their jetpacks chasing this mm-hmm. uh this giant uh uh you know featherless bird through the sky it, it looked uh really amazing they finally get him back and you get some really kind of great character moments there as uh paz vizsla is looking at uh you know mando and finally kind of accepted that uh he is one of them maybe he doesn't they don't have to always be at uh at odds with each other um you get bo katan who's really kind of proven herself now as as being uh one of these people she has taken on the the new signet of uh the uh mythosaur uh, which apparently, mm-hmm. you know, is the is the signet of Mandalorians of old. So um, interesting to see how that story goes, because, you know, no one else really, uh, you know, she told the armor that she saw it. But, you know, the armor doesn't really believe her uh, in any sort of sense. You know, Din didn't see it himself. So it'll be interesting to see how how that plays out. And it'll be interesting to see how the ideologies of uh, someone like Bo-Katan really fits in kind of long term with this. So I think. We've got a, a pretty good second half of the season shaping up for us, Marcus. Um, these oh, first yes. these first four episodes have been really, um, really pretty keyed in. Um, like we mentioned, you know, season one was pretty keyed in. Season two was a little bit more sporadic and in introducing um, some bigger galaxy wide kind of things. Opening but, the door. But but season three seems to really be, like I said, back dialed in um, with Din, with Bo Katan, uh, with Grogu. Uh, with where that light that dark saber is going to going to end up um and you know pushing our story uh forward for both the mandalorians and into um you know into the sequel trilogy into the um the first order Mm -hmm. so that's another thing i did love is that bo bo at that time was uh, skeptic, as you will, whenever it comes to, you know, the Mandalorian religion. Like, she respects it, she grew up on it, but seeing the Mythosaur just like, like, oh my, I, wait a minute, Th- this stuff is true. Okay, I saw it, though, but I I think the armor, like, truly believes that she did see it, but she needs to see it for herself, but she's, and she's, she's not one to hype somebody up. She's yeah. She's kind of just like, all right, you saw it. So what are you going to do with that information? Just tell me. All right, cool. You could spread it if you want to and try to get everybody back, or you could use that in your own way. She's not going to tell you how to do it. She's just going to wait and see, and she'll yeah. judge you accordingly. <laughs> but, yeah, and we still, don't, we still don't know all there is to know, I don't think, about the armor um, in the no, story. So. and she that's what makes her intriguing. It's like, oh, you you are hardcore devout to this religion, but... We know, like, a, a, a salt speck about you. <laughs> right. It's yeah. like, 
Jeez. So, with that, oh, and whenever uh, Grogu gets his his signet, his little medallion, all I could think of was merchandising, merchandising. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Yeah, that's right. That that thing is almost as big as him. As he, uh, Uh, dude, it gets his little. uh, is the Mudhorn signet right? That he got mm-hmm. there on his on his little uh, little armor plate. I thought it was going to be like a shield for him, but that's uh, what I thought just, too. She just uh, when she he got the little bit of dart shooter and everything on his on his hand or the the paintball scene as well. It's just like merchandising, merchandising. Oh yeah, we should <laughs> we should talk about that. Uh, mm-hmm. Like they were they were having that dart contest. Him and that other uh, kid. Mm-hmm. Um, that one no darts. That's paintball. They were only they were only like. <laughs> They're only like three feet apart. But when that first one hit Grogu, I was like viscerally upset. I was like, what? (laughs) (laughs) It would have made it better if you hit him in the head and he fell over. I'm sorry. (laughs) Get out of here. here. He does his his Jedi jump and uh, shoots him three times. It seems like it would be very Mm -hmm. easy to hit someone three times if you were standing like one foot away from from each other. But but I I digress. digress. You're that close to me. It's just like, come on. That's right. That's right. So, um, yeah, and it gave it gave a little bit of you know depth of character then to to Paz Vizsla too. You know that being mm-hmm. um, his son and and all that stuff. So so really really great stuff. So um, Marcus, I, we're um, you know we're kind of through these first four. Um, just kind of a little a little bit of a a recap. You know s- stuff that you you really liked here kind of about this first half of the season and then anything that you're um hoping for i guess for the the second half of the season we don't have to go uh super long into these we've kind of you know hit on some of our favorite stuff through the episodes but you know any anything else you want to add about the season so far or uh what you hope to see other than your your long string theory about admiral thrawn getting us all (laughs) going to a movie theater uh i'm telling you right now that's gonna happen it's gonna happen and you're all gonna come back to this episode and be like marcus was right um the thing is, um, I hope for the future of this show is that I I believe it was Minds of Mandalore or The Convert. Uh, no, it was The Convert, where the long is the longest episode of Mando so far. Continue that, guys. From now on, okay, y'all y'all gonna do season three the rest of the way. You're gonna do it, but now we're getting into the territory where there's so much story that needs to be told. I get it. You have eight episodes, eight to nine episodes, if you will. But now is the time to actually use that time wisely. They have been doing that with these 30 minute episodes, 30 to 40 minute episodes so wisely. Now's that time to do it in a full. You don't even have to do a 60 minute episode. You can just do a 45 minute episode, 45 to 50. That's all I ask. Like, give me an HBO linked episode of a show and even Andor did it. It's like, guys, you can do this. Just do that. That's my hope for this the rest of the season and beyond. Also, I love that this season is focused, goes back, comes almost full circle with season one. It's about the Mandalorians. It's about Den, about him, you know, living the life of Mandalorian. And then you get the politics of the Empire and uh, the Repu- uh, New Republic mm-hmm. and the Imperials that are still out there. It's like, okay, where are we going with this? And the allusions to what Ahsoka is going to cover as well. Connectivity has been a huge part of Mandalorian since the end of season one, since the Darksaber was introduced. Bam! It's like connectivity to everything in the Clone Wars, to Rebels, to now. So I hope we have more of that as we continue, but also don't have so much connectivity 
negate what you started off with. Yeah. Um, just yeah. continue this this road. The, the quality's there. I trust them wholeheartedly. I'll take whatever you give me. I may not like all of it. I mean, I mean, not everything's perfect, but like for instance, uh, one little detail I will mention whenever uh, Cal and Beck is flying towards the the, hel- the pad. Why is his cape not flowing in the wind? Like if he's going that fast, <laughs> like come on, dude. He was using Get the force. He was using the force. He wanted to be cool looking. Uh, that's what he's <laughs> using the force for. Uh, let's keep the let's keep the robe down. Um, yeah, yeah, no. But that's um, my hopes. Yeah, for sure. Those are those are good hopes. Um, yeah, I really hope that it you know kind of carries on with this with this more um, kind of intimate look at you know at Din at Bo at you know Grogu and you know kind of this this convert of people um, of the Mandalorians and and kind of explore that. If you look back at season two, you know we ran through it. Um, mm-hmm. Other than meeting Bo Katan, none of none of the other things that happened in season two have really come into play yet in the season. So I don't know um, if they will. I don't know. We're going to, we're going to have to wait and see, but I I really hope that it kind of sticks to this kind of, kind of storytelling um, and season two can kind of serve as setting up, you know, peripheral stories, you know, book of Boba Fett, uh, Ahsoka, uh, stuff like that. And we can really keep the Mandalorian just about the Mandalorian this season. It looks incredible. Um, Mm -hmm. It it looks, it looks so good. Um, kudos to the uh the people that are working on the show because they're doing a heck of a job katie sackhoff is bringing it she is crushing it this season i love her uh character i uh the way she's playing bo katan is really really good i'm really excited to see uh, more of her and you know kind of those interactions and and yeah i am just absolutely loving uh this season uh, like i said i didn't i wasn't as in love with season two you know i had fun with it i thought that it was pretty good um but season three has me hooked back in i i really like what we've seen so far so i hope it just kind of kind of carries on with that i hope it kind of keeps you know uh you know pushing that line uh into the into the first order um into the end of the sequel trilogy a little bit you know uh you know making some gradual steps that way but you know keeps uh keeps focused here on uh dinjar and so uh i don't know we'll have to have to wait and see but we'll have to have another one of these uh recaps uh at the end of the season marcus bring you back on so we can talk about the uh second half of of the season so um absolutely that's uh that's the mandalorian any any parting thoughts about uh mando and crew before we uh sign off here nope just season one was like hey how's it going season two let's go for a drive season three all right let's go back to town Let's that's how I, that's how I, how I'm seeing this so far. Let's go back to town. There you go. Absolutely. So, mm-hmm. uh, Marcus, thank you so much for uh, joining me uh, today. I needed a, I needed a great co-host here to help talk about the the Mandalorian. Uh, Cassie is going to be back on our our episodes, uh, you know, next week um, as per usual. But I can I couldn't have talked about all this stuff on my own. That's too much stuff to to tackle for <laughs> for one person. So thank you so much for joining us. Let everyone know uh, where they can uh, bother you about getting. Uh, oh, Hollow Chronicles of uh, of <laughs> a Jedi season three out. Yeah, get get the get the details and send them send them my way. But wow. no, seriously, where can people <laughs> where can people find you online? Where they can uh, where can they go uh, see your like movie reviews and uh, get subscribed to Hollow Chronicles? That way, when season three starts to drop, they're ready to go. They're primed and ready. Uh, where can mm. people uh, find you? 
Of course. Well, as you know, my name is Marcus Mosley, ladies and gentlemen. If you want to bother me about Hollow Chronicles, read some uh, film reviews and television reviews. Just go to the central hub is themosleyreview.com. Uh, that has all my socials, my Instagram, or my fit, if you will. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and even Tumblr. That's right. I still have a Tumblr. Everybody still does. I, I still <laughs> post there from time to time. Um, so that's where you can find that. Hollow Chronicles of a Jedi Season 3. I am, like I said before, I am 80% done with it. And, of course, uh, Cassie and Brian here are in the show. And there are some other guests as well that I will, I will reveal as we come along so i'm looking at i'm not going to give you a date and how many episodes there are just <laughs> as as right now tentatively i'm looking at possibly release in may or probably beginning of june but we'll it just it's going to be a summer release ladies and gentlemen so thank you again for your patience with me like there was a whole lot that went into season three that for the delay of like almost a year but it's it's coming to fruition so it'll be there guys don't worry just of course if you want to follow the podcast you can follow it on the website it's on all other streaming platforms um itunes or apple Podcasts, spotify um on anchor all that good stuff just it's everywhere so thank you once again brian for having me on and i would definitely love to talk more mandalorian with you and everything and also with the theory that i know is going to come true later on <laughs> that's right yeah we'll have to uh we'll have to keep an eye on that theory and make sure it comes uh through to fruition so uh let us know if you're listening out there what you thought about uh season three so far of the mandalorian give us your thoughts uh, you can connect with us uh online at all of the places astro underscore droid underscore is me on instagram uh follow that and yeah, uh, let us know and uh, have fun with the second half of the season and we'll talk to you next time. May the force be with you. The Older Public Podcast can be found on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, YouTube, as well as everywhere else that Anchor Podcasts are distributed. Subscriptions, reviews, and shares help us out. And if you want to connect with the podcast on Twitter, we can be found at Old Republic Pod. And if you want to connect with me, I can be found on Instagram at Astro underscore Droid underscore. You can find us on Patreon at www.patreon.com forward slash Old Republic Podcast. Our intro and outro themes were composed by Dennis S. Mowers at DennisSMowersMusic.com. This episode of the Old Republic Podcast has been brought to you by Nikki Dog from Patreon. May the force be with you. We will be back soon. Bye for now.